You're listening to Strictly Business Podcast with Lindsay Williams. It's Monday, so it's time for What's News with Katie Katapodis, who is the co-founder of Nala Media in Johannesburg, and of course, the youngest ever news editor in South African broadcasting history. Casey, what happened over the weekend? I've got something for you, which is not international, but is local, which is lit up social media, but you go first, please. So the big story, Lindsay, in South Africa this weekend has to be the Democratic Alliance and, of course, the re-emergence, the successful re-emergence of Helen Zilla into politics. Now, Helen Zilla, as we know, was the uh, former DA leader. She then became the Western Cape Premier and she bowed out of politics after the recent elections, only to make what one can describe as a dramatic comeback this weekend. Um, And it certainly set the cat amongst the pigeons because her re-election, or her election rather, into this position has now meant that Joburg Mayor Herman Mashaba has announced his very sudden resignation. It's something he promised on social media um, a few a few days ago, saying if Helen Zilla were to come in, he didn't want to be aligned with right-wing politics and he would be out. Helen Zilla has hit back at him, saying, well, she doesn't know what he's talking about because he's far more right than she is. Yeah, I wonder to what end she's doing this because she's been a divisive character in the past. And I fell out with her. I mean, I got on very well with her and I've always liked her. But then for some reason she got a, if she's listening, I'm sorry to say this, Madam Premier, but you're, you got a bit petulant. So what do you think about this? Is this a good or a bad move? The death knell or the resurgence for the DA? You know, I don't know. I don't know yet. There are many analysts who are saying this is the death knell for the, for the, for the DA, while others are saying, well, actually, this is what the DA wanted. The way I analyze it is that this is certainly the DA saying, well, it doesn't really now want to go after uh, the black middle class in the next elections. And I think that is deeply, deeply problematic. It also means, Lindsay, that Muzi Maimani, as leader of the DA, is in a very difficult position. I know we discussed it in our, in, our, in our podcast last week, but I think his head still remains firmly on the political chopping block. Yeah, another head on the chopping block is that of Beleka and Betty, uh, because I mean it's all over social media. Social media users wow. have been brutal in their criticism of ANC stalwart and former National Assembly Speaker Beleka and Betty's Al Jazeera interview, branding it embarrassing, painful, and a reflection of South Africa's political leadership. From what I heard this morning, somebody phoned me up this morning and said, Lindsay, they blamed the current crime rate on Europeans. Uh, that was the first thing that sort of struck me, and I'm, I'm, I'm sure there's some legacy issues there which have contributed to it. But since she asked, she asked about the the statistics and all sorts of things, and I just found it a bit distasteful and actually rather ignorant. Mm. You know, it it was very clear to me that she was unprepared for this interview. Um, I don't know why she was so unprepared. I mean, this is an international platform. You don't go onto Al Jazeera and not be prepared for uh, for such an encounter. Um, and it was a very, very difficult interview to watch. Baleka Mbeta did not do us any favours as a country. And in fact, she did not do herself any favours as a country, politician, I should say. Yeah. Which parts did you particularly find painful, by the way? Because there are so many elements to this extraordinary Well, let's just talk about AIDS denialism. You know, when we talk about that, this is a part of our country and a part of our past, our recent past, actually, that that one would really like to see put behind us, Lindsay. Um, We went through a terrible period under Thabo Mbeki where we were denying that HIV causes AIDS. And that took South Africa back a long way when it came to healthcare. And in fact, our statistics just skyrocketed. Um, So for me, that was very difficult. It was 
overall unpreparedness, though, and the really bad reflection on South Africa, South African politicians, and who we are as a nation. Yeah. Anyway, we'll draw a veil over that. Uh, anything else that you saw before I get on to the international stuff? Well, there is a story in the Sunday papers that really, really horrified me. It's outside of the political realm. It is outside of all the things that we have been discussing. It is a doctor at the Parkland Clinic. Now, anybody who's had a child in the Parkland Clinic, me included, me included, know that Professor Beale, Professor Beale is a name that is synonymous with pediatric surgeries and pediatric healthcare. Shocking allegations, Lindsay, have emerged that Professor Beale has now been negligent in his duties. Um, a 10-year-old boy who underwent what one could only describe as a routine surgery to deal with severe reflux. I mean, I want that to sink in for a minute. This child was not ill. Mm. He had reflux and he died on, um, he, he basically died just after that surgery. What was even more shocking, which we read in the papers, is that Professor Beale knew that there was an issue with the child post-surgery, yet left the hospital. Um, he claims that in retrospect, he shouldn't have left. And in fact, the anaesthetist then got this child's father in a desperate attempt to try and save him. He got the child's father to get involved in the resuscitation of this 10-year-old little boy. It mm. is totally unheard of and totally unacceptable that a parent should try to get involved in the resuscitation of a dying child in a hospital surrounded by doctors. Um, so this is a really, really terrible story that's emerged. Professor Beale has defended himself saying, well, the child was overweight um, and it was a difficult surgery. So we wait to see how this transpires and, and what the outcome of this is going to be. But, but it certainly is something that has, that has shocked me. It must have been a very serious case because I know that that particular condition can be treated quite easily with, with drugs. I mean, so I reserve judgment on this one, but it does sound a bit extreme. Mm, it also comes um, in the wake of many other allegations around, uh, around Professor Beale and what has happened to children um, whom he's operated on. He admitted to one mother a few years ago that he dropped I think he said it was a needle or a scalpel inside her child. Oh, nice. He says he was able, yes, he was able to collect it very, very quickly. But ultimately, the child died. Yeah, maybe this explains why my son is an underachiever. He was delivered at the Park Lane. I don't know if it was under the auspices of the gentleman you've been talking about. But anyway, let's move on very quickly because I know you're very, very, very busy. Quickly, yes. Okay, very quickly. <laughs> Nothing to do with my business, but what you've just said about your poor child. <laughs> I'm hoping to gloss over that. <laughs> Casey, the international movement to take to the streets, which I really like, I must admit. I mean, we had the Arab Spring, which was impactful, but eventually actually divided nations and opinion. But now we've got Hong Kong. That's been going on since June. We know all about that. And over the last week, we've had Barcelona, uh, the Catalonians up in arms about, I think, nine of their local politicians being jailed for between nine and 13 years. I don't know the details, but there has been an incredible response to this, and that's going on on a daily basis. Santiago, the capital of Chile, over the last three days, and there's uh, sadly been deaths and, and violence because of um, the rising cost of living in that country, which is commodity-rich, just like South Africa. There's also corruption protests in Beirut, Lebanon, and also mm. London. People are taking to the streets in London. I just wondered to myself, why don't we take to the streets in greater numbers in South Africa? Is it because we're, we're, we're too lazy? Is it because we hate each other? Is it because this particular person doesn't like that person because of, I don't know, skin colour or background? I don't know, but we don't seem to do it, and we've got every right to do it. 
You know, I don't think it's that we don't take to the streets. I think protests are often used to complain, if you like. So protests in South Africa are a common phenomenon. The, the issue is the number. So we certainly haven't seen the millions gathering outside. We certainly haven't seen even the hundreds of thousands gathering on the streets. So, so protests and taking to the streets is a common phenomenon in South Africa. It's not that it doesn't happen. It merely, for me, is an issue of the numbers. I think it's been a long time since South Africans have gone to the streets in, in hundreds of thousands, if not the millions or two. Mm. Okay, well, hopefully we'll all get together and say enough is enough if things continue to, to and the broader stagnate. Question, it doesn't solve anything. The broader question is, um, um, you know, and one could argue it doesn't solve anything. The other side of that coin is look what happened in the Arab Spring. And it's because people took to the streets that we saw the downfall of so many dictators. Exactly. Katie, thanks so much for your insight. That's Katie Katapodis, the co-founder of Nala Media in Johannesburg. That podcast was proudly brought to you in association with sharenet.co.za. Visit strictlybusinesspodcast.com and subscribe to receive exclusive content straight to your inbox.